0: Welcome to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Located in El Dorado Hills, California, it is our mission to help others find and follow Jesus. We hope this message inspires, encourages, and uplifts you today. So friends, we're in a series called Mindset. We're looking at this reality of the battle of the mind. All of us, if you're a human on planet Earth, you struggle, you battle, you, you deal with this reality of intrusive thoughts, of patterns of behavior that are connected to thoughts, of moods and emotions that are influenced and dictated by the patterns of thought in your mind. And, and what I want to say to you is this. Change is possible. God has the ability... To literally rewire and reframe the neural pathways of your brain. You can find freedom this year from strongholds, from, from habits, from ruts in your life if you put into practice some of the things that God's Word is instructing us to do if we want to win the battle of the mind. Last week, we, we just looked at the reality of the battle of the mind and how we're all engaged in it at one level or another. This week, we're going to look at this whole idea of what does it mean to, how do we win? If we're in a fight, if we're in a battle, how do we overcome? How do we, how do we tear down those strongholds in our hearts and our minds and, and live in the victory and freedom that God has already purchased for us? That's what we're getting into today. Last week, just to recap a few quick points, uh, just because I want to refresh us on this. The battle for your life is won or lost in your mind. Your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thoughts. I want you to think about that. Number two, your thoughts will control you if you don't learn to take them captive and control them. 2 Corinthians 10, we looked at that passage last week. What does it look like to to recognize an intrusive thought that leads toward either a self-destructive behavior or it leads to stress and anxiety and depression and worry? How do you interrupt that? How do you take it captive and bring it into obedience to Jesus? How how do we do that? What does that look like? Those are some of the things we talked about on the podcast and we touched on last week. So important for us to live the life God wants us to live. Um, Craig Rochelle wrote this. I commend a book. I've been using his book as a resource for this sermon series, "Winning the Battle of the Mind." Um, we put a link to it. We have a resource page on our website. If if you if you get our weekly email from the church, uh, there's a link straight to that page on our website. But we want to equip you with some tools. Equip you with some tools to help you because. This journey, winning the battle of the mind, finding freedom in your thought life, overcoming strongholds, it doesn't happen quickly. It's a lifelong journey. It's a path you have to walk and choose every day. And there will be seasons where mostly it feels miserable and like you're dying because you are dying to yourself. Um, And then there will be a moment when you're through the death and you're on the other side, you're beyond the death that you were dying in that area, and you find freedom. And I believe that's available to each of us. Craig Rochelle, he said this, I thought this was so good. A lie believed as truth will affect your life as if it were true. And today the title of my message is Mind Games. What is God's part and what is our part in winning the battle of the mind? And all of us are dealing with mind games. We play mind games with ourselves, do we not? We, we, you know, we catastrophize the future. We replay conversations or conflicts that we've had with other people. We put ideas and thoughts into other people's minds of what maybe they've said or they think about us and we end up getting all caught up in these fantasy scenarios just because we're caught up in our own mind games. Am I the only one in the room that deals with this? <laughs> We're all there. We all deal with it at one level or another. And so friends, what is God's path to victory? Well, let's look to God's word. I want us to look to Romans chapter eight because Paul unpacks this for us so well. Here's what the apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter eight. Says this, for those who live according to the flesh, I'll unpack that in just a second. They're the ones who set their minds on the things of the flesh. So your life, the living of your life, is connected to what you set your mind on. That's what Paul is saying. Your life is an overflow of what you're thinking about, of where you're putting your mind. So if you set your mind on things of the flesh, right, But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind, setting the mind, that's why we called this whole series Mindset. What are we going to set our minds on? To set the mind on the flesh always leads to death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. Anybody want to use a little more peace in your life these days? Come on. I heard one come on. I got one coming too. Come on, Jesus. I want to experience the abundant life that God has. I want to experience the peace of God. I want to to live in this reality that Christ has won for us when he rose from the dead. But where does it start? Where does that life start? In the mind, in the mindset, where you choose to set your mind. When the Bible talks about the flesh, it's not just talking about your physical body, your flesh and bones. What it's talking about is something called the carnal nature. You see, there's something inside of every human and every religion, just so you know, this isn't just a Christian idea. Every religion agrees that inside every person, even all the great philosophers agreed, inside every person, there is a tendency toward self-destructive behavior. Not a surprise to anyone. We're all very aware of that within ourselves. We do things that we know are wrong and we shouldn't do and are not good for us or our relationships or others because there's something inside of us called sin and that sin leads us towards self destructive behavior and, and behavior that isn't honoring to God. However, to set the mind on the Spirit, on God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? if we set our mind on all the the impulses and all the compulsions of our desires and our flesh and that carnal nature that wants to run away from God, it always leads to some form of death. Maybe um, the death of a relationship, the ending of a relationship, because you chose to not war or go to battle against your selfishness. Maybe it leads to um, the death of a career, Maybe it leads to some other form of something in your life that matters to you, ending up shriveling and dying because your mind is controlled, not by the Spirit of God, but by those desires within all of us and within you that are leading you down a path that is not ultimately helpful or good for your life. To set the mind on the Spirit, I want to keep going, I want to look at this. It's life and peace, but... Paul explains this a little bit more. He says, the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the spirit. You're in the spirit. Okay, how do I know that I'm in the spirit? If, this is a big if right here. If, in fact, the Spirit of God lives in you, dwells inside of you. Okay, how do I know if he lives inside of me? We'll get to that in a second. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him, is not a Christian, is not saved. How do you know if the Spirit of God is inside of you? Because most of your days, if you're like me, you wake up, You're you're rushing to get kids out of the house. You're focused on the tasks that you have to do. Most days feel pretty normal. It doesn't feel like you have the God of all creation dwelling inside of you. It just feels like a stressful Monday at the office or my kids are hungry and they don't want to go to practice and whatever. Life feels like life. So how do you know if the Spirit of God is inside of you? Well, number one, here's what Scripture teaches. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you believe he died on the cross as God for your sins and that three days later, God raised him from the dead, defeating death, if you in your heart say, I believe that is ultimately true and that's the only source of my salvation and forgiveness, you're saved by grace through faith. In that moment, God says, I'm making my home with you. I'm moving into your neighborhood, into your heart, into your soul. The Spirit of God dwells in you. What are some signs or fruit of the Spirit? How do you know the Spirit's inside of you? Well, Galatians, different various texts in the New Testament talk about this. They talk about the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Do you see the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life? I'm not saying you get saved and now suddenly you are the kindest person that has ever lived, even though yesterday you were the meanest person that ever lived. I'm not saying it happens like that, but you see growth. Uh, Another sign the Spirit is inside of you is if you feel convicted over your sin if you actually want to follow Jesus, if you actually want to read the Bible and learn about your faith, if you actually want to spend time with him in prayer, those are signs that the Spirit is inside of you. You want to walk the ways of God and live in the path of Jesus. You know, another massive sign that the Spirit is in you? Generosity. Generosity is so countercultural. It's so not common. And when people decide to give collectively $110,000 purely for the good of the community through a local church, those who give, it's a sign the Spirit of God is working in you because God is a giver. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. Friends, generosity is a sign that the Spirit of God is at work in your life, and so the way that we win the battle, number one, is we are aware of the fact that there is a battle going on, inside of us and all around us. There is a spiritual realm, there is an enemy of our souls named Satan who wants nothing less than to kill, steal, and destroy everything good in your life. And if you don't recognize that or acknowledge that, you're done. It's like walking into a battlefield not even knowing that there's a battle going on. I mean, I thought of it like this a few years back, um, you got to love the, the family group chats, you know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Those things, man, sometimes you just throw things in there to stir it up and have fun, right? Around the holidays, those things get crazy, especially if. You live in California and the rest of your family lives back East all day long. The, the family group chats are blowing up, you know, cousins and, you know, grandkids and uh, aunts and uncles and everyone's sending videos and what toys did the kids get? And, you know, what are we eating for dinner tonight? And we're FaceTiming and it's all connected and wonderful and good. And then all of a sudden, a few years back, I'll never forget it, at like 10 or 11 a.m. on Christmas Day, uh, I'm not going to say which family it was, uh, but all the group chat stopped in one particular family group chat, just stopped. And this is a pretty chatty group chat. Okay. Um, and I was like, that's odd. You know, Lindsay and I threw a few text messages in one, one fringe benefit of being across the country from your family is that you're not always sucked into family drama. Amen. Jesus. Um, And so you don't even know what's happening, right? You just know it went radio silent. And it went radio silent for like five days. And then New Year's came around and I came strolling up into that group chat, like happy New Year's, everybody. It also happened to be somebody's anniversary in the family. And I was like, happy anniversary, love you guys. Like I'm all just, woo. Um, Little did I know my wife had already had a conversation with someone in the family. She knew all the tea. She knew all the stuff going on. And um, she saw my text messages go through on New Year's Day and she's like, honey, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm texting the family happy new year and happy anniversary. She's like, don't do that. There's a war going on. There's a battle happening, and I was like, I had no idea. I'm just strolling in here trying to be Mr. Happy and Positive. I didn't know people were in conflict. She's like, well, you know, the fact that you said happy anniversary to them, now these other people who are mad at them are going to feel pressure to say something, but they're not going to say anything in the group chat. And then the other people, they're probably going to say something, and that's just going to make it all worse. Jonathan, you've just ruined the whole thing. I was like, I didn't even know a war was going on. Like, I just was trying to be nice here, okay? Friends. This is how most of us treat spiritual warfare in the battle of the mind. We don't even know we're in the middle of a conflict. We just come rolling into life, into our days, and suddenly we find ourselves in the same ruts, the same habits, the same issues that we've been dealing with for years, and we think, how did I get here? You know this experience. You've had this experience where you've gotten your car, and you're heading on your commute. You're driving to work, and... All of a sudden, the last thing you remember is leaving your driveway and then pulling into the parking garage or the parking lot, you're like, I have no idea how I got here. I have no idea what happened between my house and here. I, I was somewhere else. Friends, often in the battle of the mind, your thoughts have a hold of you before you're even aware. And they're leading you somewhere to a final destination that you're very familiar with, but that maybe you don't want to end up at, And until you become aware of what you're thinking about, until you think about what you're thinking about, do a mental thought audit, take take inventory and stock of the strongholds in your life and begin to declare war on those things in Jesus' name, I'm going to tell you this right now. Nothing will change in your life. Nothing. Until you recognize and engage the battle of the mind and the battle that's happening all around you. And... Man, I am preaching to myself this morning i am, i don 't even know where that came from i 'm just telling you I am like preaching to myself because so often i 'm not aware of my thoughts i 'm aware of my emotions, I feel my emotions, I feel anger, I feel stress, I feel sadness, and often i 'm like, man, why am I sad? how'd I get here? what happened and I have no idea of the thought process that led me there until I pause and do a thought audit or think about what was I thinking about. And friends, what you have to know is there is a battle for your mind. And you're, you're not just fighting against your own carnal nature. You're not just fighting against your fleshly desires and your impulses and the, the, the habits in your life. You're also at war against the culture around you. There is a cultural atmosphere in America, friends, um, that is secular, that is not looking to God at the end of the day as the leader, and not just the leader, but as the source of salvation and hope, that is not looking to Jesus as the way of true life. There's a culture around us that is Pushing on you from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed at night, a secular worldview, which means, hey, science is king, evidence is king. We believe in scientific theories and things that we can prove. And when you die, you return to the dust and you go to nothingness, and there really is no meaning or purpose to this life. All we know is what science can tell us. And friends, that worldview has no room for the fact that you have an unseen soul or spirit inside of you, that you have a reality happening inside of you that is not just physical but spiritual, and much of your experience of life is going to depend on how you engage in the battle of your mind until you engage in the battle that is actually happening in your soul. The world around you might give you some good tips and tricks to find better ways to live, but ultimately it's not gonna bring healing to your soul. It's an important thing to remember, and we have to remember this too. You see, scripture reminds us, I we'll wanna move on to this next one, 1 Peter 5 8 it says, Be sober minded, be clear minded, be watchful vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. John 8, he is a liar and the father of lies. Friends, the enemy of your soul, when a lion prowls, I don't know if you've ever you know, seen National Geographic, it can be within feet, inches of a zebra or a gazelle or whatever it's going after in the tall grass of the Serengeti and you can't see it. And it's right there about to pounce. Before it roars, it prowls and it sneaks up on you. Satan clothes himself in lies. So it's very easy. His biggest strategy is to convince you that there is no war. There's no spiritual world You know, you're you're just you're just a collection of biochemical reactions. That's what you are. There's no spiritual eternal side to you. There's no real ultimate purpose to this life except, I don't know, be a good person, do some nice things for other people. But when you die, you die, and there's nothing beyond that. Friends, that's not true. You were made by God in God's image to live forever. You are an eternal being. According to scripture, your soul, your spirit will live forever, either with God in heaven or separated from God in hell. That is the reality of the Bible. And the truth is this, your spirit comes alive. Your spirit finds finds its, its maker, its home in God, in Christ alone. And until you're reunited with him by faith in Jesus you won't be winning the battle of your mind. You'll be following the same paths that you have always followed. How do you know that this is true? How do you know that there's a war going on? Some of you are like, yeah, I'm there. I get it. I'm at war every day. I'm aware of my strongholds. I'm aware of my struggles. Some of you, it's like, man, it's just normal life. A war battle, this feels intense, pastor. Are you sure? Like, this is intense. How do you know you're at war? How many of us in this room are not living the lives that we want to live? Think about this. We long for more, but we settle for less. We keep ourselves busy and distracted so we can numb out the pain that's just below the surface and keep up appearances with our friends and family. How do we know we're at war? Well, we go out and compulsively buy things to try and fill an inner void inside of us. How do we know we're at war? Um, Ever wonder why you can't shake a bad habit even though you've tried for years? How do you know you're at war? Well, have you ever wondered why it feels like you can't connect with God at all? Why you seem to keep heading down the same road that always ends in a fight with your spouse or a coworker or someone else? why you're still stuck in those behaviors, those Ruts, why you're still running to the same old vices, expecting your life to get better when it only gets worse, why you're still struggling with pornography, alcohol, relationships, self hatred, self image, self confidence, self discipline, follow through. You're still lying to yourself and others. Friends, some of you are in a battle against discouragement, depression, anxiety, debilitating sadness. You're in a battle against shame because you can't move on from the mistakes you've made in the past. Some of you are. In a fight with the future because in your mind you're stressed about what may or may not ever happen. Friends, we are at war with our emotions, with our thoughts, with our habits, and until we acknowledge it and engage it, we won't even have a shot at winning it. Craig Rochelle said it like this You cannot change what you do not confront. Take a picture of that. Put it on your bathroom mirror. You cannot change what you do not confront. If you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. If you ignore the battle, you lose the battle. Friends, your mind is a battlefield. Your life is at stake and the fight. If you're in the fight, don't be discouraged because it's a sign that you're actually alive spiritually. If you're fighting against your strongholds, even if you're like, man, I'm losing every day, the Lord is pleased with you. (laughs) Even if like, Lord, I'm a failure, I can't kick this one. Help me today. The Lord smiles on that and says, keep going. I'm with you, we're gonna get there. This is a process called sanctification. That's a big theological fancy term for how people change. But if you're engaged in the fight, it's a sign that the life of God is in you. That's a good thing. Be encouraged, don't be discouraged, even if right now you're losing the fight. And friends, you're in good company. Listen to the words of the apostle Paul who wrote Romans. It's a big passage of scripture, but I want you to stick with me because you are going to see yourself in this passage. Romans 7, verse 14, all the way down to 24. Here's what Paul says. We know that the law is spiritual. When you hear the word law, you're not thinking speed limit, okay? Not thinking breaking the law. You're thinking 10 commandments. That's what Paul's talking about. Don't steal, don't lie, don't commit adultery, don't murder, uh, don't worship false gods, the commandments, right? We know that those are spiritual, those are good, those are from God. And then he said, but I'm unspiritual. Me too, Paul, I feel that way too, okay? Sold as a slave to sin. I don't understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but the sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. He's not saying there's not part of him that wants to do good. He's saying in that flesh, the carnal sinful nature, no part of that wants to do what is good or godly. Okay. He goes on. I have a desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Are y'all with me? Does anybody else feel like they're reading their own biography right now? I know it's too scary to raise your hand on that one. Now, if I do what I don't want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, in my soul, in my spirit, I delight in God's way. I know that God's way is good and right, but I see another law at work in me. Don't miss this waging war against the law of my mind, against the part of me that actually wants to follow Jesus and do the right things. And I feel like I'm a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man that I am who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death. And I left out the best part, so I'm going to read it for us right now. Verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's gonna deliver you from sin and death? Jesus. Who's gonna help you win this war that's raging inside of you? Jesus. He's already won for you the freedom. The prison door is open. Now it's up to you to walk out. You're the one who has to Ah, Thank you, I appreciate that. Let's go. One clap, praise Jesus, we got revival. But I wanna say this, and this is so important. You see, there's a lie. I I think there's a lie embedded in the heart of American Christianity. And it goes something like this. If I give my life to Jesus, if if I put my faith in him, then everything is gonna get immediately better. My life's gonna get easier. I'm not gonna struggle anymore because Jesus is gonna take away all the struggles. Friends, that is nowhere in the Bible. Not even a little bit. Look at any major character in the Bible. There is not a, I I challenge you. I mean, I I challenge you. Prove your pastor wrong on this one. Find one character, like a main character. It can't be some obscure character we don't know about, okay? A main character in the Bible who did not go through massive trials, massive struggles, pain, loss, difficulty. Find one in there. A main character. I'll give you one example. He's kind of the main character, Jesus. He went through some pain and suffering. But friends, the Bible never promises, not once, that we aren't going to face battles, struggles, trials, or pain. But the Bible does promise that none of those things, none of the struggles, none of the battles, none of the pain, none of them will be wasted and none of them will be in vain and God will be with us through it all. That's what the Bible promises. There is a purpose to our pain in the economy of God. You can think of it like this the battle, whatever battle you're facing, whatever stronghold you're up against right now in your life is God's pathway to victory and freedom. He's actually inviting you to climb the mountain. He's inviting you to head, like face that thing head on. He's inviting you. And he's saying, look, this is gonna be hard. But in the process, as you engage in this fight, As you show up every day, as you fail and pick yourself up again, as you lean into the grace of God, as you show up again and again and again and say, God, help me today. I'm surrendering my will to you and I want to follow your way. As you continue to do that, do you know what's going to happen? Eventually, you're going to experience freedom and victory. And it's through the struggle, it's through the fight that you're facing. C.S. Lewis said it so well. He said, all the horrors of life, all the pain, the suffering, the battles of life have followed the same course. There's a pattern to it all. They get worse and worse, forcing you into a kind of bottleneck till at the very moment when you thought you must be crushed. Anybody been in that moment? Where you thought, I'm not gonna make it through, this is gonna crush me, I'm done. At that very moment, behold, you were through the narrows, sailing in peaceful waters with the wind at your back. All was suddenly well. The dream which became a nightmare faded as you were wakened by the light of dawn. We die and die and die again until we are beyond death and find ourselves in the midst of life abundant. Woo! Come on, see us, Lewis. That's amazing. But did you catch what he's saying? We die and die and die again. You know what that sounds like? Sounds like what Jesus said to his followers. Pick up your cross, follow me. There's a lot of dying to ourselves if we wanna win the battle of our mind. Here's the hopeful part of what C.S. Lewis said. The beautiful thing about Christianity is, yes, there's a cross involved. Yes, there is dying to ourselves. Yes, there is. There is a painful death you will experience in the midst of breaking any bad habit in your life. If anybody ever told you that breaking a self-destructive habit was going to be easy and without pain, they lied to you. I'm telling you right now, it's gonna be like dying. But with Christ on the other side of death, what happens? New life, resurrection life. We die and die and die again until we are beyond death. Friends, there will be a moment when you're facing this stronghold, whatever stronghold that God is highlighting in your life, and you will think to yourself, there is no way, I'll ever get beyond this. There's no way I'll ever break this stronghold. There's just no way. And as you keep fighting and fighting and fighting, little victory by little victory, one day you'll wake up and you'll look in the rearview mirror and you'll say, wow, it's been a year. It's been two years. I'm not dying that death the same way I used to. Now I'm experiencing life abundant where there used to be this self-destructive, sabotaging behavior, a stronghold. And friends, it's won and lost in the battle of the mind. I want to invite the band to come out for this as we bring it home and close. Mindset. What is the mindset required to win the war? How do we win? What is God's part? What is our part in this journey of victory this year? What is God's part and what is our part in all of this? I need to say this. I'm a little ahead of myself when I need to say this. Satan's biggest weapon is to convince us of a secular worldview which whispers, there's nothing wrong here. You're completely fine. Spiritual beings don't even exist. It's one of the best ways that he keeps us trapped is by convincing us that he's not real, okay? But God's part, What does God do for us in setting us free and giving us the victory? The first part is the gospel. That's just the good news, that Jesus died for us on a cross. He died the death that we deserved. Three days later, God rose him to new life so that by faith in him, we can have new life. We can go spiritually from death to life. That's the beginning of victory, is putting your faith in Christ because he gives you life. Friends, number two, he gives grace and destroys shame. He gives grace and destroys shame. Colossians 2, 13 to 15, it says it like this. When you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame. He put them to shame by triumphing over them through Christ. I'll never forget, just on this one real quick. I think I was probably eighth grade, ninth grade. I was, man, I was in a heated discussion with my mom. We'll call it a fight. And my dad was in the room. And somewhere along the course of this conversation, this fight, this heated discussion with my mom, I said some things that now as an adult, I'm ashamed of. I regret. And the moment those words came out of my mouth as a 13 year old punk kid, my dad locked eyes with me. He didn't have to say a thing. I knew exactly what he was thinking. He was thinking, I'm gonna kill you. (laughs) Not really, but man, I was in trouble. You don't cross the line with your mom. You don't disrespect your mom like that, especially as a son, you respect your mother and the dad is the enforcer, right? So what did I do in that moment instead of receiving the wrath of my father? I ran because I was faster than him and he was old. I literally ran and hid in the woods. I was like, I'm not going home ever. Probably never going home, right? I was ashamed of what I had done and I ran. It's kind of like the prodigal son, right? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to lose the battle of the mind. You're going to, you're going to fall back into those ruts. You're going, to, you're going to get some freedom and then fall back again. Don't give up. Keep fighting. And remember this. Grace says, come home. Come home again. Don't keep running. Shame says, run far away from the Father. Don't ever go back there. He's so mad and angry. He'll never love you again. You've blown it. Keep running. Grace says, stop running. Come home. Grace says, I'm going to chase you down and bring you home. I'm going to bring you from death to life. Friends, God's part. He gives grace and destroys shame. He gives us divine power. 2 Corinthians 10, for pulling down strongholds. He he guards us with peace. Philippians 4, bring everything to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus. And number five, maybe the most precious of them all, what does God do to help us overcome strongholds? He's with us. The very last thing that Jesus said on earth to his disciples is, I'm going to the Father, but I'm gonna send the helper, the Holy Spirit. And he says, I will be with you till the end of the age in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's with us. Now, what's our part? Mindset. The mind set on the flesh is death. If we continue to give in and foster the mind that is focused on us, that is focused on the the negativity, the strongholds, if we don't learn to take those things captive, it will always end in the death of something that we love dearly in this life. Our part is setting our minds daily. You got to do the work, right? Number two, conversational prayer and gratitude. Friends, I've been doing this the last two weeks because I'm in the thick of this fight with you. Lindsay and I both were like, we gotta practice what we preach up here, okay? I am talking to God literally out loud with my mouth more than I have ever talked to him ever. Normally I pray quietly, but recently I'm like, man, if I wanna win the battle of my mind, here's what I found. If I'm talking out loud with my mouth, it's hard for my mind to wander somewhere else because I'm thinking about what I'm saying. So I'm just bringing God into every situation right now. I don't care if it's a moment of road rage. I don't care if it's a decision with the church, if it's a marriage situation, if it's a friend situation, family. I'm bringing God in. Lord, help me. Give me wisdom. Lord, I'm discouraged right now. Lord, I'm angry right now. Lord, give me patience. I'm bringing him in. Conversational prayer and gratitude. Lord, thank you for what you've given me. Draw near. Don't run and hide. We already talked about that one. Number four, <laughs> I preached on this in the past. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Friends, it's 2024. Some of you have been dealing with the same strongholds. You've been you've been walking that same path, at least the same de- destination for a long time. And you might literally be thinking, there is no way I will ever be free from this. That's a lie. You can be free. You can walk in victory and freedom, and God wants that for you. But if nothing changes, if you don't start getting in the word, if you don't commit to saying, I'm gonna plug into community, be a part of a small group, if you don't start drawing near to God and praying and inviting him into the situation and doing something different, you're going to get the same results. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Number five, never surrender. I don't care how many times you get defeated knocked down. I don't care how many times you lose the battle of your mind. I don't care if you lose it 15 times in one day. As long as you're in the fight, you are alive. The grace of God covers once and for all every sin and every mistake that you will ever commit from now until the end of your life as long as you are engaged in the fight and saying, Jesus, I want to walk in your path. I want to live by the Spirit never surrender. And number six, fight like your life depends on it because it does. Paul himself wrote, the the mindset on the flesh is death. The mindset on the spirit is life and peace. Set on God is life and peace. We're dealing with death and life. My prayer for you is that you would never surrender. that you would keep fighting and that you would know the grace of God that your heavenly father is not disappointed. He loves you. He's for you. His smile is on you. He's proud of you for staying in the fight. Lean on him. Receive the gospel every day. Friends, we're going to close today with prayer, with communion. Um, We're going to have our prayer teams come down front. I want to encourage you today. If you want prayer, come and get prayer. If you want to put a prayer request in the prayer wall, we pray over those every week. We'd love to pray for you. Um, But nothing changes. If nothing changes, we're going to take communion. And if you need to take a bold step of faith and step out and receive prayer, do that. If you need to pray with somebody about receiving Jesus, come down front and do that right now. That's the beginning of victory. If you have communion with you right now, I'd invite you to pull that out. If you don't, it's in the... uh, It's right in the the entryways, just beyond the doors, you're free to get up and grab the elements of communion now if you wanna take that. And friends, communion, the the juice and the, the wafer on top, it just represents, it's a reminder, it's a representation of Jesus's death for you on the cross and the blood that was shed for you because he loves you so that you can walk in freedom. I'm gonna pray for us. We're gonna take communion together. Uh, The prayer teams are going to come forward. I'm going to close our service. And if you want prayer, please take a step. Come down, receive prayer. Let's pray, and then we'll take communion together. Lord, we thank you for your word. I pray, Lord, for those in this room that are just up against it, Lord, that you would give them a second wind, that you would give them hope today. Help them to find victory. Help them to set their mind on you. And thank you for the cross. Thank you for Jesus' sacrifice. As we take communion now together, Lord, we just say thank you. In Jesus' name. Let's take communion together. Thank you for listening to the Hills Church Sermon Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe. And if you haven't already, give us a rating so we know how this has impacted your journey with God. To learn more about us, visit our website at hills.church. We'll see you next time.